The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. There's never a good time for your furnace or air conditioner to stop working. But we're honored that for the past 100 years, Atlas Butler customers have relied on us the night before Thanksgiving, the day before their wedding, and even Christmas morning for fast, convenient service. Your trust means everything. Call today, get it fixed today. That's our pledge to you. Atlas Butler is at your service call. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. It normally wouldn't be news, or at least not like this, not a front pager, but after last week and change, we'll say, an appearance today by the Treasury Secretary before the American Bankers Association is leading the day, closely watched by all of us as Janet Yellen addresses the banking crisis in a very carefully chosen set of words. Our intervention was necessary to protect the broader U.S. banking system, and similar actions could be warranted if smaller institutions suffered deposit runs that posed the risk of contagion. And she focused on the importance of small to mid-sized banks as the argument over FDIC insurance, where to put the cap, should there be a cap, continues here in Washington. These banks are heavily engaged in traditional banking services that provide vital credit and financial support to families and small businesses. They also increase competition in the banking sector and often have specialized knowledge and expertise in the communities they invest in. So don't forget the little guys. Bloomberg News reporting Treasury Department staff now busy studying ways to temporarily expand FDIC insurance coverage to all deposits, even as the administration reminds us that Congress would have to pass a law to make this permanent, to actually do this the right way. And, of course, there's no consensus on that. Not yet. Let's get into it with Congressman Brian Stile, Republican from Wisconsin, serves on the Financial Services Committee and chairs the House Administration Committee, both at the center of the storm here, Congressman. He's joining us from the Republican retreat in Orlando, and it's great to have you back. Congressman Stiles, is it time to raise the cap or eliminate it on FDIC deposit insurance? I think what we need to do is use next week's hearing to get the who, what, where, when, why, and how these bank failures occurred. Is it the fact that we need adjustments in actual policy or were regulators asleep at the switch? Did management uh, understand what they were doing with what was on their balance sheet, and the mismatch with the rising interest rates? And so before we jump to full policy conclusions and permanent changes in the FDIC uh, structure, I think it's really important that we dig in and make sure we understand exactly why the banks failed uh, in the first place. Congressman, you've been around Washington long enough to know that you're supposed to shoot from the hip and not wait to find out what happened first, right? Well, I, the, the irony is not lost on me, but in this situation, <laughs> we're dealing with restoring confidence in the American banking system writ large. 
And the confidence underlying the U.S. banks is so important for the economic health, not only of the United States, but really of the globe. And so I think what we want to do is have a, a serious adult analysis of this and get the policy right, not to rush to judgment. Uh, as, you, as you kind of jokingly say there, Washington's often known uh, from shooting from the hip and putting forward policies uh, at the political whims uh, rather than actually underlying uh, because of the economic principles in place. When we're dealing with significant bank regulations, as we are in this case, I think it's just absolutely imperative that we get this right and we make sure that we prevent future bank runs, but we do this with the light of not actually putting tax dollars at risk. And I think we can do that, uh, and there's paths forward, but next week's hearing yeah. is going to be step one. Indeed, step one. In the meantime, Congressman, are you comfortable with the Treasury tinking around with some temporary solutions? Is that healthy for the, the banking system? Well, you know, I, I don't love what we've seen play out, but the question is going to be, is this the, ba- is this the best of bad choices presented uh, to the Treasury and to the Federal Reserve? And so we're going to have an opportunity to have a full look back, a full review of exactly what played out. I think that's really appropriate for us to do. At some point, there was no good solution for the Federal Reserve as SSVB uh, began to uh, began to fall. The question is going to be, is this the best course of action? I'm always very hesitant uh, for the federal government to step in mm. in place of uh, the markets uh, reaching the solution themselves. Stocks are moving higher today. Markets seem to be calming a bit, at least. We're even seeing some nibbling uh, in in shares of banks uh, of all sizes, actually. Congressman, are you feeling today, now that we've got a couple of days behind us, we got off the weekend, we got through Credit Suisse, we're still dealing, I realize, with First Republic, but are things feeling more stable? Do you have more confidence than you did when we saw you last week? I, I think big picture, the markets appear to be more stable. But I think the big challenge here that we're not having enough conversation about mm-hmm. is the fact that inflation remains stubbornly high and we're nowhere near the Fed's target of 2%. And so why do these banks and, and our financial system have the stress in the first place? It's the reaction to the Federal Reserve. Well, the Federal Reserve is simply raising rates to try to address the inflationary pressures we're all feeling. This is where I think it's a real opportunity for Congress to come to the table and actually find fiscal solutions to the inflationary environment rather than simply relying on the real blunt force instrument the Federal Reserve has, which is to raise interest rates. Are you hoping they don't move rates tomorrow? Well, it it goes both ways. I think the the real key here is that the Federal Reserve makes it very clear that they're going to remain consistent in their path to tame inflation. And so if the Federal Reserve backs off, I'm concerned that the market's going to view that as an indication the Fed is not serious about taming inflation. We need to have both the Fed and policymakers in Washington viewing bringing inflation down as job number one. So 25 bips and done is what I keep hearing, uh, Congressman. Are you comfortable with that? Well, you know, I'll, I'll let the, the Ph.D. economists come out with what the numbers should be. I think what's really, what's really important is that we're showing consistency on our, our, our goal to tackle inflation is the reason I think the policymakers in Washington have to have to stop reckless spending, unleash American energy, get workers back to work. The Federal Reserve has one instrument, and that's, that is interest rates. And so I don't think it's unreasonable for the Federal Reserve uh, to continue their march on interest rates while Congress is failing to do its job to bring inflation down. I mentioned uh, you're joining us from the Republican House retreat in Orlando uh, where this has been very much uh, an issue in the air, along with the debt limit. And I wonder, Congressman, 
If you can shed any light on this idea that the banking crisis that we're going through now and the potential, uh, for instance, uh, for using government money to help backstop deposits might move the X date forward. Is that something is that real? Is that something you're worried about? The, the, the X date is really a calculation that can only be provided uh, by the Secretary of the Treasury. So it's a little bit of a black box unless the Secretary of the Treasury puts forward uh, the formula that she's actually utilizing right now uh, under extraordinary measures and what the cash flows are. But what I do think it does is it really solidifies the understanding of how significant this is to get right, to get our fiscal house back in order, but to also make good on the debts of the federal governments. And so we have to do both. We've got to come to the table, have adult conversations about how we're going to get this country back onto a path of fiscal stability. Uh, and time is ticking. I, I hope the president comes to the table to have these conversations with conservatives in the House. Congressman Style, I have to ask you uh, not just about your role in financial services here, but you also chair, as I mentioned, uh, the uh, administration committee, House administration. And, and you're looking to sit down for a conversation uh, with the Manhattan D.A., who purportedly is about to indict Donald Trump. We don't seem to know about that, but it's reported that you want him to sit for a transcribed interview and, in fact, give you, provide you material from his investigation. Will that happen? Well, we have put forward the, the request to the DA. My committee, Committee on House Administration, has oversight uh, over federal election law. And what mm-hmm. we want to make sure is that our judicial system is blind to partisan politics. Uh, and the indications here is that maybe that, that is not the case at the, the Manhattan DA's office. This is a case, we got to remember, that was passed on by previous DAs. It was passed on by the Department of Justice. And now a, uh, a partisan elected DA in Manhattan has kind of risen this zombie case back up. I think there's appropriate questions in a case that's this significant uh, as to why it's moving forward in the way it is. I think the American people deserve to know the answers we've asked. Uh, in our letter, and I think that is uh, totally appropriate in a case uh, that is of a potential indictment of the former president of the United States. Potential is a key word there. I know Donald Trump uh, truthed that it was gonna, he's going to be arrested today, but uh, we actually there's nothing official on this, right? He he may not be arrested at all. Well, we we do know the investigation is ongoing. Uh, there is, as you know, there's no final decision. Uh, that that I or anyone else has been uh, made aware of. But I do think the fact that the partisan investigation uh, is ongoing uh, or potentially partisan investigation, uh, I think is worthy of the questions that we've asked, which is, is federal dollars being utilized in this investigation? And is this investigation uh, in coordination with any other federal agencies? Does it bother you to see politicians raising money on this? Donald Trump is not the only one. You know, I, I, I think that people sending out uh, emails and raising money is nothing new in the world of politics. I think the, no, the real no. answer here is ultimately we got to get the policies right to make sure that people feel confident in our judicial system, that it is not partisan, but it's blind to politics, uh, and that ultimately everyone under the court of law has a true fair shake. Congressman, to get back to uh, the policy uh, that we started with here, I haven't asked you about the budget, and I just wonder... We, we mentioned the debt ceiling quickly. When are we going to see negotiations get under? When will Republicans have their budget r- unveiled so we can actually see negotiations between the House and the White House? So, so as you recall, the, the president put forward his budget over one month late. That was disappointing. So that came in now just two weeks ago. Uh, Republicans, we're working on putting our budget together. 
Uh, but I'd love to see the president come to the table in particular as it relates to the debt ceiling. The debt ceiling predates when the spending bills will come forward. The debt ceiling is the opportunity to have a conversation on the long-term fiscal stability of the United States. Uh, over eight times in the last 40 years, we've seen substantive and meaningful reforms, uh, often in a bipartisan manner, to bring this country uh, uh, from the brink uh, towards a path to stability. I'd love to see the president come and take us up on the opportunity to have adult conversations about how we get ourselves back on track. Do you, though, so, I mean, with all that said, actually see a world in which there are 12 appropriations bills that become a budget at the end of this year? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see us return to regular order. That hasn't <laughs> been done uh, in a number of years. That's I don't sure. want to say that I'm overly confident that uh, we're going to have a moment of kumbaya uh, on the House and Senate floor uh, yeah. this fall. Uh, but I do think it's imperative that we work towards the goal of getting this, uh, getting our Congress uh, operational and back in order. I know you have to catch a plane, Congressman, uh, so our, our time is tight here. You didn't go to Disney, right? Nobody's allowed to go to Disney on this trip. I literally spent about seven minutes outside uh, of, uh, of, of hotel ballrooms over the course of the, of the last two days. I'm actually going to jump my flight to D.C. Let me tell you, I'm going to be looking forward to getting home to Wisconsin uh, by the weekend. We'll be here when you get back to the Capitol, Congressman. Thank you for joining. Brian Stile. Uh, Wisconsin's 1st District got a couple of important roles here, as you just heard. It's not just he's on the Financial Services Committee, but he also chairs that very important House Administration Committee, which may not be a household name, but it is going to potentially bring uh, the DA from Manhattan to Washington. And that will be a moment if it happens. We assembled our panel now on Bloomberg Sound On. Rick Davis is with us, Republican strategist, of course, Bloomberg Politics contributor joined today uh, by Joel Rubin, the president of the Washington Strategy Group, former deputy assistant secretary of state, served in the Obama and Bush administrations. Great to have both of you here. Uh, Rick, we'll start with the matter at hand. Janet Yellen today. Uh, this is at least issue number one before the American uh, Bankers Association. This would normally be kind of a thumb sucker, as we say in the business. But, you know, the potential to move markets. She was reading off notes, even answering questions. To on, just to underscore how important this moment is and how careful she needs to be. How did she do? Look, she answered the one question we've been all asking, you know, since this uh, first takedown of SVB, and that is, are we stabilized? Is this a contagion situation or are we moving beyond it? And I thought she was very clear today. I think that was the confidence that she brought to the to the speech at ABA was to say, you know, the system is stable. We're going to we're going to do everything we can to protect it. There are still some issues uh, like First Republic banging around out there, but we're going to take care of that, too. So I, I, I got to tell you, anybody who uh, listened to that speech had to be uh, encouraged that not only is the government's actions to date been pretty aggressive and quick, uh, but that they're uh, going to do the same thing going forward. Joel, is this the posture that the administration should be taking on this matter? Do they need to be doing or saying more? Yeah, Joe, look, I, I agree with Rick. I mean, this is the, the right posture. It's a very sensitive moment. Uh, but you can clearly hear that there, there are going to be days after as well and, and reforms proposed, uh, ideas to sort of roll back the, the failed reforms uh, done to Dodd-Frank back in 2018 and certainly uh, internal management questions that the Fed and its oversight, its effectiveness need to be answered as well. But for now, stability is the key, uh, ensuring that there's no uh, panic, no runs, that, that the, the holes are being being plugged uh, at the moment. But, uh, yeah, there's a, a, lot of, a lot of discontent with how this went down. That's for sure. We're going to talk more about it with Joel and Rick Davis, our panel today on the fastest show in politics. 
Stay with us. We have a lot more ahead as we also need to tackle this Trump issue a little bit more. Hey, guess what? No arrest today. Is any of this real? The fundraising is... The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Hey, it's the fastest show in politics. It goes by so fast, sometimes you don't realize the minutes. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Sound On as we reassembled our panel. Rick Davis is in New York. Bloomberg Politics contributor, Republican strategist, along with Democratic analyst Joel Rubin, president of Washington Strategy Group. Great to have both of you with us here. I want to get to the matter of Donald Trump. Kevin McCarthy talking about this issue as we were, at one point at least, anticipating an arrest today. It looks like that's not going to happen. The Speaker of the House asked about this matter, about the story of paying hush money to a porn star at the Republican House retreat in Orlando. We live in America and it should be equal justice. Um, this was personal money. This wasn't trying to hide. This was seven years ago, statute of limitation. And I think in your heart of hearts, you know, too, that you think this is just political. And I think that's what the rest of the country thinks. And we're kind of tired of that. Rick Davis, is that the best line for the speaker to be using right now? He invoked Hillary Clinton uh, in his answer as well. The idea is, I guess, okay, it's as long as your personal business, if you're paying off porn stars, but the legal side of this is a problem. Yeah, Joe, I think we live in the day and age where everything is open to suggestion, right? I mean, like anything you want to criticize, you can criticize. I would say I would be a lot happier if the speaker would start everything he says about this topic with no person is above the law, right? I mean, like that's where we want to wind up, right? Just with to the set idea the baseline. That, just to set the baseline. Yes. Then whatever you say after that actually is just your opinion about this case and what you think is going on. And, and clearly, uh, this wasn't what he wanted to be talking about this week. Uh, he wanted to be talking about his agenda in the House. He, they, they spent a lot of time and money moving all these guys, the Republican caucus, down to Orlando to do this uh, retreat. And, and he really thought this was his chance to define his speakership. Not so. I mean, the, the, the one guy that decided this was all going to happen on Tuesday wasn't the, the, the prosecutor in New York. It was Donald Trump who jumped the gun and said, hey, I'm going to be arrested and let's raise some money. So, uh, I, you know, we have only ourselves to blame as a party uh, for the, the lack of clarity on this issue. And um, and it's unfortunate that, that that Speaker McCarthy couldn't get done this week what he wanted to get done. Joel, how about this? Republicans are raising money on this, beginning with Donald Trump. We've seen several others. Uh, we're actually working on a great story on this. The amount of the sheer amount of fundraising that has come from barricades going up in front of the courthouse in New York. What if there is no arrest here? That's possible, too. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I mean, well, hey, we're in the spirit of forgiveness right now, right? I mean, Kevin McCarthy clearly believes that Donald Trump should be forgiven for his peccadilloes in the past. Uh, and, and I love to associate myself with uh, Ron DeSantis's comment yesterday uh, about how he doesn't quite know much about 
what it means to pay off porn stars in order to uh, uh, for, as hush money. Uh, you know, look, I mean, they should they should pardon Hunter Biden as well. Uh, all of this is becoming a circus. And I think to penetrate into some of the substance of what Kevin McCarthy said, there's something very disconcerting. He, he made an argument uh, and Jim Jordan did this as well in writing that essentially if one is a candidate for president, they should not be subject to prosecution. Uh, a real sort of authoritarian power grab kind of mindset there. I, I guess that means if, if uh, I want to commit a crime, I better run for president first and then I can commit that crime and I'll, I'll be safe. Right. So uh, there's this is the, the part that Democrats get nervous about is this idea that somehow uh, Donald Trump gets to be treated above the law. And I think to Rick's good point, uh, that should be the first thing that someone says. Nobody's above the law. Uh, the D.A. in New York was duly elected. Doesn't matter what political party he's from. He was elected. He's doing his job. He has the right to prosecute. And uh, and, and uh, that's what he may or may not do. So I think you know, Kevin McCarthy really is playing uh, footloose and fancy with the rule of law in this country. Well, we heard from Congressman Brian Stile a short time ago. Rick, he is one of three House committee chairs looking to bring uh, D.A. Bragg, Alvin Bragg, to Washington, D.C., uh, for an interview, for testimony, and they also want materials from his investigation, materials from an ongoing uh, criminal probe. Is that the next move here? You know, it could be their move here. Uh, you know, certainly uh, Congressman Stiles, chairman of the administration committee that oversees federal campaign activity, um, uh, certainly has the right to ask. Uh, there is separation of uh, powers uh, issues rele- relevant to Congress and uh, the, uh, the the state and local and federal uh, uh, legal entities like uh, the Justice Department. But uh, look, I think everything is fair game here, right? Until at which point in time uh, the DA does something, it's your point, Joe. He hasn't done anything yet. Uh, and, and all this could be really embarrassing to all of us to spend this much time <laughs> yes. talking about this if nothing happens. But He's kind of darned if he does and darned if he doesn't. You know, if he doesn't bring a case and mm. it turns out that there's been, you know, wrongdoing, then he gets criticized for, you know, letting somebody walk. Uh, if he does this, he's going to get criticized as he is now, you know, for politicizing it. So there's there's no good out here uh, for for uh, for Alvin Bragg. And so he's mm-hmm. just going to have to do whatever he, his job requires him to do. Do you think we'll see him testify in Washington, Joel? Uh, I love it. I think he'd be great. I think he, he would make arguments that would, frankly, put the House Republican caucus in a very defensive position uh, defending Donald Trump. And uh, you could hear the, the, the replay reel going again and again about hush money uh, to uh, quiet porn stars with whom he's had an affair uh, a thousand times in a congressional hearing. I doubt they'd want to go down that road. It's got a point there, Rick. You bring Alvin Bragg up there, you want to talk about materials from his case. None of them are going to help the former president, are they? Every day we're talking about porn stars and hush money from Donald Trump <laughs> is a bad day for anybody who's running as a Republican in this election cycle. So Unless I think they're all going to have to take a deep though, breath right? and think, what's really good for us? Buyer here? beware. <laughs> Buyer yeah. beware. Wow. So all the while, uh, we don't have budget negotiations underway. There's, I guess, nobody talking at least, well, they're talking at each other over the debt limit. Uh, we're dealing with a banking crisis here. When do we actually see some some progress in this Republican-led House, Rick, when it comes to a budget? Every time I ask a lawmaker like Brian Stile, and he's great about talking about this stuff, he's actually very forthcoming, but I tend to hear about how Joe Biden was late with his budget. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's nice to hear uh, Chairman Stiles talk about going back to regular order, but not one (laughs) of the Appropriations Committee has started a markup on a budget yet. So when exactly (laughs) is that going to happen? You've got a lot of people in the queue to get something done. Uh, Look, I think, you know, uh, uh, President Biden sort of called everybody's cards, presented his budget as he was supposed to. Sure, you can complain it was a month late, but like, where's the Republican budget? I think it would be very smart uh, for... uh, for the speaker to put out a Republican budget with the kinds of things that Republicans believe in. I mean, you heard Congressman Stiles very articulate about what we think the priorities are. Well, let's put put it on the table and debate our budget, you know, and just ignore Joe Biden's budget because it's not going to get passed. And if you believe that these cuts are necessary, then you should be taking them to the hoop. And I just uh, you know, a little March Madness uh, reference there. And so <laughs> I, I think let's let's get the ball and, and let's go down and score three. How does Joe Biden handle this, uh, Joel? You heard Congressman Stiles say, hey, look, he was a (laughs) month late. We got to finish ours now. Got to deal with the debt limit before we even talk about uh, anything else here. Of course, the president doesn't want to talk about budgetary reform. He wants a clean debt limit bill. This standoff really could go to the brink. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, Joe, this is supposed to be the easy year of governing because next year is when we have the election season. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. They, we're already in it. And and um, uh, it's not as if the debt limit hasn't been discussed for many months before uh, before even the president's budget was submitted. So those are all, all really just uh, uh, complaints without real merit. I, I think that we're going to see this go to the brink. Mm-hmm. And the problem that Republicans have is that they've painted themselves into a corner right now about these cuts because they want major cuts but what they wanted to cut in social security and medicare they now don't want to cut because it's too politically difficult and president uh trump said he would never do it and so they're stuck with an increased defense budget where do they want to go they want to go basically against all domestic spending which is is a a preposterous concept impossible to implement and so i think the republicans are completely uh, disheveled and have no clarity, no coherence. And uh, frankly, that's very dangerous for getting final deals done, uh, where basically Kevin McCarthy is not going to get anything through without major Democratic support. And and that's where it has to head. Otherwise, we're going to end up in a a shutdown uh, and and potentially default. Cruising for a downgrade here. Joel, thank you for the insights. Joel Rubin, president of the Washington Strategy Group, former deputy assistant secretary of state, along with Rick Day. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here. Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact, every bite is better with Pepsi. This Bloomberg Politics contributor. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. 
Catch the program live weekdays at 1 Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. It's got to be the best headline I've seen today, courtesy Joshua Green. Trump's stormy weather could be DeSantis sunshine. Yeah, we're talking about the whole stormy Daniels case again. Well, you know, Ron DeSantis is watching all this uh, from Florida. He's been weighing in on this as well, as we let you know yesterday. Kind of caught in the middle here, maybe playing both sides, if you will, Ron DeSantis. I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to to secure silence over (laughs) some type of alleged affair. I just I can't speak to that. But But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money. There it is again. You know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda. Two birds, one stone. Go after Trump and the DA. Is it possible? He tried yesterday. And Joshua Green's writing about it, national correspondent at Bloomberg Businessweek, the author of Devil's Bargain, Steve Bannon, Donald Trump, and the storming of the presidency. We've got us another stormy situation here. Uh, Josh, it's great to have you back on Bloomberg Sound On. Rick Davis is in New York. Uh, I have to admit, uh, Josh, I'm wondering what happens if there is no arrest, because that's entirely possible. But is Ron DeSantis able to take this ball and run with it? Well, I think DeSantis is in a tough point, a uh, tough position. I mean, obviously, Trump, if he does get indicted, is is going to be in a tough position. But I think DeSantis is too, because he spent the last year carefully walking a tightrope between trying to appeal to Trump supporters and trying to carve out his own distinct political identity that he hopes makes him popular enough uh, to, to to win the Republican nomination in twenty twenty four. Uh, he's done that by basically ignoring Trump, but because of this expected indictment, or at least what Trump expects to be an indictment, I think it's forcing DeSantis to have to take sides in a way that he very much seems to be avoiding, as we could hear in those two political clips, where on the one hand, DeSantis is saying, porn star, porn star, porn star, uh, hoping to damage Trump, but on the other hand, he's kind of kowtowing to Trump's defense that, or at least his preferred line of defense, that, oh, this is just, you know, big government Soros-funded prosecutors, and none of this stuff is fair. You know, in, in the end, he's not going to be able to have it both ways, and, he, and he's probably going to have to choose a side. Interesting. I, I like where you write that you actually you thought that this is something that would have to be played out on a debate stage, but Donald Trump appears to have chosen the occasion of his potential indictment here to force the issue a lot sooner are you suggesting that Trump was trying to draw him out, or this is Ron DeSantis rising to be part of the story? No, very much uh, Trump drawing him out. Uh, you know, I did a long Bloomberg Businessweek cover profile of Ron DeSantis. I went down and traveled mm-hmm. with him for a couple of weeks when he was running for re-election last fall. And you know, one of the things I wrote about was his strategy for kind of carving out his own distinct political identity. And the way he did that was to start these big... Trumpian culture fights, whether it's over, 
you know, Disney or woke politics or shipping migrants to, to Martha's Vineyard as he did. You know, he's, he's tried to sort of strike this Trump-like figure without ever mentioning or getting tangled up with Donald Trump. And what I said at the end of the piece was, so far, this has been a great strategy for DeSantis. He has emerged as the clear alternative to Trump in the Republican uh, presidential primary polling. But at some point, you know, he's going to have to battle the dragon. And I thought that that point would come in six months when he gets into the race and Republicans have their first debate and DeSantis is standing up there next to Trump and finally has to confront him. I think Trump has decided, no, we're going to have this fight sooner. And after DeSantis put out those statements yesterday, Trump's campaign blasted him for basically being showing insufficient fealty to Trump um, and, and not basically not acting like a subordinate or a courtier the way so many other Republicans have and kind of racing to defend Trump in what does, in the end, boil down to uh, an alleged scandal uh, with a porn star. So it's hardly a matter of national security. (laughs) It's a great piece. I'll point everybody to it. Trump's stormy weather could be DeSantis' sunshine. Josh, thank you. Josh Green, uh, Bloomberg national correspondent. Uh, Rick Davis, is with us still in New York. Rick, how does Ron DeSantis continue to to move down the field on this? I think you were actually you were impressed by his agility yesterday to kind of get both messages out there, cover him by cover himself by hitting the DA, but also pointing out, you know, again and again that this is hush money for a porn star. What what's the next chapter for him? Well, I think there's no going back now. I mean, you know, as Josh points out in his piece, uh, it, it, DeSantis has really tried to avoid this direct engagement, even mm-hmm. while Trump is like blasting him, you know, on True <laughs> Social about like, oh, he had inappropriate relationships with, you know, underage women, maybe yeah. even a transgender. I mean, like, you can't not ignore that, right? right. You can't ignore that. So. At some point, and I think it happened yesterday, he kind of came out of his shell and decided to push back a bit. But there's no such thing as a subtle pushback. You can't be sarcastic with Trump because he's like a he's like a hurricane that just flies right over you. And 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 you better be prepared to you know try to stop that hurricane somehow. And and I don't think he has the luxury now of waiting till the legislature gets out and waiting until he makes Mm -hmm. an announcement. He is full on in the game. Donald Trump will not give him a day of comfort in, in, in this election cycle until at which point he says, I'm no longer running for president. And that's when Trump will pick up and, and move on to the next uh, pretender. And Love so it. I, I think it's a strategic mistake in the sense that he's, he's, he's rushed it. Uh, and I think Donald Trump is more than happy to litigate this with him all day long. Yeah. Well, a lot of people have pointed out, Rick, and I'm sure you've seen on social media that Ron DeSantis has lost a bit of weight. That tells you something, right? You know, uh, wait politically or wait physically? Yeah, uh, physically. Maybe both. Uh, look, I mean, he had this ma- magnificent win. He, you know, really uh, historic for Republicans in Florida to do as well as he did. And and everybody's talking about, well, this is the future. If we can win states, turn you know Florida red. Uh, we can win in almost anywhere. And and so he came out of this election cycle really, really in good shape. And Trump, the opposite, right? You know, a lot of his candidates lost. Uh, and he was taking his lumps for that. And, and, and now the tables have kind of flipped. I mean, because he's delayed any announcement, because he's, you know, been kind of demure in talking about Trump, yep. uh, he's been a little bit of a target. And I'm not exactly sure what he's getting for it. Wow. The sanctimonious 
I guess the meatball Ron won't stick if he's going to lose a bunch of weight. Rick, thank you. Rick Davis, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Republican strategist with us here on Sound On. Thanks for listening to the Sound On podcast. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already at Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can find us live every weekday from Washington, D.C. at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Bloomberg.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.